0: Hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. This is John Goldman, and we're on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ, 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. I'm broadcasting today from the beautiful Sawyer, Michigan uh, studio here, and I am very happy to welcome Robert Rolf Fetterson. He's been on the show before, but a lot has happened since then. So I wanted to start us out before we actually start talking to, to Bob, I call him, and uh, let's listen to one of, his, one of the songs I like the most uh, called The Comeback Kid, and here we go. play red. And that was the comeback hit. That was off of Robert Rolf Feddersen's 2016 album, My Terry Ann, in honor of his beautiful wife, Terry Ann. Uh We have Robert Rolf Feddersen in the studio and my co-host, Adam Conley. It's great to see you guys. Great, great to too. see you yeah. too.
1: Yeah. Right, uh, huh.
0: And uh, Bob, we were just, I, I always call you Bob. Yeah, right? call me Bob. All right. That's my
1: name. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you know, you, your professional name, Robert Rolf Feddersen. Uh, looks awesome on a, on a, uh, uh, you know, a cue or whatever, but, uh, it's a little rough on the tongue when, when I'm trying to say it in the microphone. So I'm happy to be able to call you Bob. (laughs) Yeah, please. Yeah. Please call me Bob. And you you brought your guitar and, uh, mentioned while we were, you know, getting ready and I didn't notice this before, but you play a righty guitar upside down because you're left handed and, um. Unlike Adam, who's also left-handed, yeah, he has a left-handed guitar, so it's strung uh, similarly to a right-handed guitar, but it's it, it all goes left. And, it's the correct way that Adam yeah, plays. Yeah. Well, and you play a right-handed guitar upside down
1: which is incorrect. Yeah, well, <laughs> you are correct. But yeah, the way I play. Yeah. My sister had, um, an acoustic guitar when I was a kid, when I was 12 years old. Yeah. And, uh, she played dust in the wind and like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, I want to be able to do that. So I would sneak in her room cause she did not want me to play her guitar. So uh-huh. whenever she was gone, I'd sneak in her room, actually break a lock. Oh like, my God. And get in there and really get wanted that guitar, to get in there. And, uh, I would start learning songs, Beatles songs and stone songs. And I, I couldn't learn dust in the wind. I started out (laughs) with like early Beatles stuff. I Uh was not very articulated on that instrument, but early Beatles stuff kind of, it's just a couple chords. So I kind of figured that stuff out early on upside down. So I never learned another
0: way. And did you ever learn how to read music, or uh, do you use uh, tabs, or no, how do you?
1: I, I mean, I I could understand a little bit of it, like treble clef and bass clef. Uh, all cows eat grass. Yeah. Grizzly bears don't fly airplanes. Like I know, like the the notes and all that. I, yeah. I'm good with notation. If you told me to play like a D chord, I could play a D for you sure. or whatever. But um, yeah, to sit down and like see um, you know, sheet music. And to play it verbatim from sheet music, I could never do that.
0: Wow. So, I mean, you how many songs do you have? You must have a couple in the, well, tens to a hundred. Yeah, I don't released
1: know. right now, I have over a hundred songs released wow. that people could listen to. I'm working on my 10th album. So I have nine albums that are out there on wow. like Apple iTunes or Spotify or that kind of thing. I think it's over a hundred there. But um, for every song I write, I drop 10. So I dropped 10 of those songs like, ah, I'm not going to play this unless Terry Ann says, I like that one. <laughs> she says, I like that one. Then it's going to be on a record or we're going to play it out. Yeah. So,
0: Well, you know, she's like your muse, I think, you know, a oh, whole album. To yeah, she's she's terrific. She's my
1: musical partner. And uh, even before um, my uh, my band Loudmouth, we were together. Uh, writing songs and uh, performing together really uh, yeah while all while I'm still in my band we always wrote and uh, perform together. So that's something that's never stopped since we were like
0: 19 years old. Is that how long you guys have known each other since you were 19? I
1: was 19, and uh, wow, she she won't be too happy about this, but she was 21. Oh, <laughs> so, I know. Yeah. So no she bad. bought me beer, which was great. <laughs> that's Mickey's, right. Mickey's Big Mouth.
0: <laughs> oh, my God, I remember Mickey's Big Mouth, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's still available. Anymore? Is it yeah. still available? It wasn't bad. It was like a, uh, like a lager, I think, or... It was. It was uh, like it was a malt liquor, so malt it was a little liquor, higher
1: yeah. in alcohol. Yeah. But, um, you know, that I just saw the can. It looked like a little, like, grenade kind of can. Right, right. And I'm like, this one looks cool. Let's get this one. And she's like, For all sure. right. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh,
0: man. That's a great story. Yeah. So <laughs> the first beer that, <laughs> that Terry Ann bought you <laughs>
1: Mickey's Big Mouth. That's How it. do you like that?
0: Yeah. So, uh, uh, you must have gotten your own guitar after you know, a period of time after you were uh, sneaking in your sister's room, breaking in your sister's room yes. to be able to go play her guitar. Yeah. So did your parents finally figure out, you know what, he's doing pretty good with this. Let's get him a guitar too. So
1: You know, uh, my dad said uh, he'll pay for half. There was uh, half of my guitar that yeah. I wanted to buy. There was a guy down the street from me. His name was John Shulvin and I'll never forget him. Great musician. Uh, he said that I have a bass guitar for sale. And I only heard the word guitar, Uh so he's like fifty bucks, and you can you can have it for fifty bucks. So, um, so I I shovelled some driveways, and I got twenty five bucks, and my dad gave me the other twenty five bucks, and I went down the street with fifty dollars, and I said I'd like to buy your guitar, and he goes, "Well, you know, it's a bass guitar," and I said, "Yeah, it's a guitar. (laughs) I mean, it's a guitar." So I I bought it. I just sight unseen. I just took the case, went home with it. Opened it up, and there's four strings on it. Right, I'm like, like, this is so much easier than, like, my sister's guitar. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I didn't know. So, That's um, great. So, you know, so I started playing bass guitar and then figured it out from all the other musicians on the block. Like, you know, this is a bass guitar. You're going to be uh, playing bass. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll play bass. I'm like, no problem. So I played bass for a little while and then kind of moved on yeah. to uh, did you um, play guitar. bass
0: like people play guitar, like as a melody, or were you? Did you ever learn to play bass where you know you were, um, you know, taking the the um, um, the bass line? The- I was
1: taking the bass line okay. after trying to learn Dust in the Wind. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna just. This is nice, just to hold up, <laughs> just some yeah. eighth notes or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it was just a lot. Um, I don't know. My my brain could comprehend that a lot more than chords and leads and all this right, other stuff. Right. So it was kind of a nice introduction to playing a stringed instrument. So
0: Did you uh have a band at that age as you were as Yeah. You were yeah, same uh-huh.
1: guys that were in uh Loudmouth, my uh, oh. rock band Loudmouth. Yeah, we went to like grammar school, high school, like the whole thing. So wow. uh so basically like three of the same guys.
0: So you basically started Loudmouth when you were like in junior high. Yeah. Yeah, first oh, gig man. was
1: uh 1982 uh September 19th 1982 at St. Louis de Montfort uh Church in Oquan, Illinois, Wow! first gig. Wow. So, That's yeah, drummer good. and guitar player. Uh we had another guitar player guy who kind of faded out of the scene, but uh, at least three of us were in Loudmouth. So, so,
0: were you playing bass by the time you started Loudmouth or you had graduated to uh the guitar by then?
1: I'd say about uh 19 I just went full-time with guitar.
0: Uh-huh. So I okay. dropped
1: playing bass and I picked up guitar, um, just because, uh, we always had like one guitar player in loudmouth and some songs required two guitars. Sure. So, uh, and also I was writing a lot of songs with Terry Ann uh-huh. and that was all on guitar. So I just kind of gave up the bass yeah. and I uh, just started playing guitar, um, a lot more.
0: Right. Right. So. So do you you don't ever just uh, pick up a bass and uh, hang out as someone's bass player these days. I mean, you've got your... I'd love to. <laughs> I'd love to do that. Terry
1: bought me a bass for Christmas. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She bought me a bass. I had this old clunky bass. It was an acoustic bass, and it was just not in good condition, and I just didn't play it anymore. So uh, she bought me a Fender precision bass for Christmas so I was like really excited so now she's got me playing bass on her song Girl on the Train uh, live I didn't bring it to uh, last gig that you saw me at but Uh um, I've been bringing the bass out to gigs and playing bass on at least one song
0: right so when when you guys play that song then you'll play bass on it
1: yeah 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 girl on the train that's Terry Ann's song that's on the my Terry Ann album oh okay okay Yeah, she gives me one song per record.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And then she helps you with other songs, too, or uh, is it primarily?
1: You know, I, I'll write a song, and I never tell her what to do. I just write uh-huh. it, and if she likes it, then we'll play it live. Mm-hmm. And she adds her vocal parts to it, percussion and yeah. all that. But, um, you know, being, um, I guess, a good husband... I never tell her what to do. Uh, so, <laughs> I, yeah. I never have. I'm like, sing this or sing that, then she won't do it. Right, so, right. You know, I just let it it her just be her idea. Hey, man, here you go. This is the song. Sing yeah. what you want to sing and do what you want to do. And she's just, she, she's amazing. She's she's my favorite singer. She's just, you know, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, she has a great voice. That's, yeah, yeah. she uh, definitely. That's nice. She helps me look good. That's for sure.
0: Well, uh, so We've been talking about Loudmouth a little bit, but uh, that was a little bit more of a, uh, what what genre would you call it? Heavy metal or... Uh, i call full- it hard rock. Hard rock, okay. Yeah, I thought it was
1: a hard rock band. Yeah. Um, I, I was always into like Led Zeppelin and yeah. uh, Black Sabbath and I, I love Motorhead. They're like my favorite like, you know, hard rock band. Oh, yeah. Um, Lemmy always called his band Motorhead a rock and roll band. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I just kind of love that but uh as far as like being categorized cuz you had to have a category when you know we put out our album that was like uh hard rock uh-huh. so yeah. um you know and i love that stuff i love metallica i love you know uh megadeth i love um you know all kinds of like you know metal stuff and all that but my favorite bands are like you know the beatles and motorhead mm-hmm. so i always tried to be somewhere in the realm of having right. some uh some grit and melody because I'm yeah. a sucker for a song. I mean, like, Ace of Spades is a great song. Yeah. And a guy's voice is horrible, but it doesn't matter. It's like the grit that he has behind it and the way right. he's presenting the song. But so with that, I'm also a huge Paul McCartney fan. I think he's, like, the greatest musician on earth. And He's uh, pretty good. He's yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> he's still... When, still when you're, out there. When you're a billionaire and you're yeah. still making records you're doing it for the art of making records. I right. mean, he could just go out and do, I want to hold your hand. Yeah. But he puts out albums and uh Lemmy did the same thing. Yeah. Know? I mean like artists that continue to put out records and create. I just, I love that kind of thing. So I've always straddled the line between, you know, hard rock and folk rock and uh, you know, acoustic rock, that kind of thing. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. You know, it's these days it's, hard to put labels on, uh, the, the types of music it is. And sometimes it could be almost insulting. So I try not to, but, uh, certainly that was the trend and the the way to identify, you know, what type of music you were playing for a long time. But these days, you know, everyone's an individual and putting out their own kind of music and and it's their music, and you know, it's you can't mostly can't put it in a box. Mostly, yes, exactly. Mostly genre bending, I would say. Yeah, you um, can't put it in a box.
1: And when that happens to you, I call it like the Fonzie syndrome. You know, because yeah. like Fonzie's Fonzie. <laughs> you know, Henry Winkler. That's right. Is Fonzie? He so wasn't it's really like, a greaser. He was. I mean, uh, <laughs> he's Fonzie. So you know, anytime you do something different, it, it kind of freaks people out. I've had a lot of. um folks that have uh you know been loudmouth fans i did a 20-year reunion with my band uh they discovered what i'm doing now like that's not like metal it's not like um, hard rock i'm like uh, yeah I'm, this is what i'm doing now right you know like an that's antiquated right. version of yourself you know that was you then it's the but same
0: heart behind it yeah yeah and we're, none of
1: us are the same people we were you know 20 30 years ago For sure. we evolve <laughs> and you know i think as as an artist i think it's uh it's paramount to evolve and to keep on creating and recreating yourself. You know, as long as you're being true to yourself uh, and you love what you're doing, you know, I think that it's a natural evolution as opposed to like, I'm going to try and be this. I'm going to try and be that. Like I've always been a beetle fan a Bob Dylan fan uh Simon and Garfunkel. Like I grew up yeah. listening to all that stuff. So there's a huge part of me, that wants to play acoustic music and uh, melodic kind of stuff like that. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, I feel just as natural with an electric guitar rocking out than I do with uh, an acoustic guitar playing a ballad with my wife. Yeah, yeah. Love it all.
0: And, you know, back in when you were first becoming a musician, and we're about the same age, you know, I remember that period of time. And, you know, what the music you were exposed to was stuff you – Randomly heard on the radio, which was dictated by radio yeah. djs, or uh, maybe you know what your parents might have had in their record collection for sure, and depending on you know how avid a musician or uh, how how interested your parents were in music, uh, you know they'd have either you know a really good um, full um a collection of music yeah. or they might have just a couple albums that they got at a party or something like that yeah and so you know that but but at the same time that's that's what you got to listen to for and sure it had an influence yeah so you know you say bands like simon and garfunkel and the beatles and that kind of stuff and uh i'm with you you know that's uh that's kind of stuff i grew up with too and and, and uh,
1: you hear that stuff as a kid and uh if you're hearing it and you love it. Like it really has an influence yeah. on you at a, at a young age. Um,
0: but think back, like, you know, when you hear that now and you hear like sound of silence, it uh, just, it brings you back to that completely. That's yeah.
1: like the gift of music is like, you know, it's kind of a time capsule. You know, you can put yourself back where you first heard it. And there's just some kind of innate love to hearing that again. When you hear it, it's like, <gasps> You know, it kind of makes your heart stop a little bit. Like, wow, I just, you know, put you in, I don't know, just like a very comfortable, like, great space.
0: Right. Well, it's very interesting that you still seem to be influenced by Motorhead and the Beatles, you know, like that you find that, you know, that middle ground or that touching on the hard rock or touching on, you know, more of the, you know, I don't know what Beatles are. The Beatles are the Beatles. Yeah, right. um, Yeah. Yeah, You know, and then to to have your space in between there of, of, uh, where you come from.
1: I, um, I, I, love it all. And I think that when something's authentic and I think the Beatles are completely authentic. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, uh, Lemmy from motorhead was completely authentic as well. Oh, when, he was when
0: unapologetic. You, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. And when you, you can recognize that in an artist, it's like, that's when you got me. Yeah. Like, that's when you, you fully, you, you got my attention and my loyalty <laughs> like right. Forever, So right. whatever Paul puts out, I always buy it. I have every Motorhead CD and album. Some stuff never came out on vinyl, but um, I got all the CDs and all the vinyl and all that from Motorhead and uh, same with the Beatles, anything, uh, Paul, George,
0: I don't have Ringo solo stuff, but I got Paul, George, and John solo <laughs> right. stuff.
1: And, um, and I just love it. Whatever they have to say at any particular point in time, I'm interested.
0: Right. And they, you know, I mean, they were so popular, but they really weren't just like Poppy. They, the Beatles, I mean. Yeah. You know, they were really authentic from, from the start. You know, they, uh, they, I mean, I guess early, early on, they were playing other people's songs. But when they started doing their own, and especially when they went into the studio and stopped touring, they, you know.
1: Yeah. Boy, they evolved got, into uh, something that was like never.
0: Had never been heard of before. No. Right? Very like... experimental.
1: Yeah, I'm the walrus. Like yeah. you know, and credit to Ringo too, to go from uh I want to hold your hand to okay, now you're gonna play drums to I'm the walrus yeah. and still kill it. Like, yeah. I mean that guy, yeah. can you imagine just being the drummer just sitting like, Okay, what are these guys coming up with now that I gotta keep a groove to? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. now I'm a walrus. Okay, great. <laughs>
0: Uh, I was, you know, I'm so curious about Loudmouth. I mean, I know it was a hard rock band and this was like, you know, what you were doing uh, during high school and, and uh, afterwards. Yeah. Uh, how long did you guys play uh, as a band of Loudmouth?
1: As Loudmouth, we were in 1990
0: to 2000. Oh, So, wow. yeah, so
1: we had a solid 10 years of uh, playing clubs and putting out our own albums and uh, trying to, you know, get signed and all that kind of thing big thing in the 90s was if you had a band and you wanted to make it, you wanted to get signed.
0: Yeah, right. So
1: there was um, a whole slew of bands that Chicago got hot for a while. Veruca Salt got signed, Smashing Pumpkins got signed, oh, Material Issue. These are all friends of ours that we're playing shows with. Uh-huh. And um, all these bands are getting picked up. And uh, the difference was they were calling themselves like alternative
0: right.
2: rock.
1: And, uh, we, we didn't take that tag Uh and and we didn't, um, cut our hair. We all Uh had long hair and we're bell bottoms and played hard rock. So, um, it took us a little longer to get a record deal, uh, than those other bands did. But those were all of our peers. Uh, Billy Corgan said some great stuff about my old band before on, um, on Q101, uh-huh. said something like, Loudmouth is the future of rock and roll and blah, blah, blah. So, like, we were friends with all those guys. Yeah. And, uh, and they were great bands. And we're like, why aren't we getting picked up? Like, this is awful. We're packing the Metro and, the, you know, all the clubs down there, the double door. And uh, we played lounge acts. I mean, it was like we were doing well on a local level, but um nobody was huh. biting on us in, yeah. like, the early... Uh, 90s when all these bands were getting just like swooped up and
0: how did that work? I mean, were you, did you have to wait for the, the, uh, record companies to find you or did you reach out to them? Did you put together, you know, demo tapes? And it was, like that?
1: uh, well, we put out our own stuff and uh-huh. we'd send things out and get rejection letters because labels would actually send you a rejection letter. Yeah, <laughs> no, typed was, out. You yeah, know, probably a out.
0: carbon copy in the file somewhere. Before, yeah, Xerox uh, uh, machine. The <laughs> only
1: difference for us was uh, Metallica came out to see my band, and that that, wow. that that was it. That was the the pinnacle moment in uh, 1996. They came out to the Double Door, and they saw our band, and uh, we hung out with them afterwards. And um, once word got out that Metallica were fans of our band, then every label. Um, Every management company, um, all these different, uh, you know, musical entities started coming out Uh to see us. Like we went uh, to Cubs games with Geffen Records. Um, Wow. You know, we had all kinds of epic records, took us out to dinner. Um, The thing that really solidified everything was uh, a guy named Michael Goldberg, who um, is still he's he's one of my best friends. And he still manages like my music catalog today. But he uh, picked up our band to manage us uh-huh. and uh, cause we didn't know what to do. We, you know, we're just right. four musicians. I'm, I'm not a businessman. I'm a musician. So he just kind of like reeled everything in and got legit meetings with record labels. And, you know, it was basically like the highest bidder wins back in the day. Well, listen, so. the
0: fact that you were in a position to be able to, um, you know, work with the highest bidder, that's a great situation to be in. It's not like you were just going to take whatever, Came at you because you were so happy that that someone was finally listening to your music, you know. Yeah, I mean, so and, to have gotten to that role, you know, that point of of uh, Michael having been able to compile all these potential offers out there, that's a great situation to be in. Well, sure.
1: that elation was there though too. Like, you know, Gaffin <laughs> took us out to a Cubs game. You know, I'm, like, I'm a White Sox fan, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, he took us out to a Cubs game. I'm like, what's going with them? And then I. Uh, Rick Rubin wanted to sign uh, us back in the day. He wasn't offering anything, but um, uh, Lars Ulrich wanted to sign us to his uh, startup label. Uh-huh. And um, when Michael came in, he's just like, you know, we're going to just sift through all these deals and see yeah. what the best thing is for the band. And since we're not, we weren't businessmen, uh, you know, he helped us that out was, with that. That
0: is so huge. Right.
1: It, it was huge, and it, it helps me to this day. He's 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 a great uh, friend of mine, and he actually. Uh, works for Rick Rubin. He's his head of a and oh. uh, to this day. So uh-huh. um, you know, so it's really kind of uh, weird how that all came yeah. about. We we turned Rick Rubin down through Michael. Uh-huh. <laughs> and now Michael yeah. works for him.
0: Right. So. <laughs> well, listen. The whole music uh, recording industry has consolidated, changed. You know, oh, yeah. completely transformed. You know, um, I let, let, we'll talk about this in a little bit. But uh, you know, most recently, you've been. Just going into the studio, and so you've been kind of acting as the producer of your most your latest uh, albums. Yeah, am I right about that? Absolutely, yeah.
1: Yeah, Because I I go into uh, electrical audio uh, with Steve Albini. Yeah, and he is a recording engineer. Steve is not a producer; he records your music, and he'll tell you that. Don't ever put "produced by" Steve Albini on your record. He doesn't want it. (laughs) You produce the music, and and I've never put "produced by." Robert Federson on a record. I mean, uh, I just always put recorded by Steve uh-huh. Albini. But yeah, I go in, I make my own albums, and I put them out uh, myself. And I go and play shows and sell my vinyl and my CDs and yeah. T-shirts and all that on my own. And uh, I've got a nice, you know, small niche following in you know Michigan you sure and do. Illinois yeah. and Indiana. So I, you know, I um, you know, hit up mostly breweries and wineries and distilleries and that kind of thing. But um, I just I love putting out my own stuff. And set my own schedule with Terry, and uh, go hit our shows, and then uh, come back, rest up, regroup, and, and go do it That's again. That's right.
0: You must put so many miles on your car. We do because you guys are yeah. all over the place. You yeah, know, I, I get the notices when uh, I think through. Um,
1: probably bands in town.
0: Yeah, bands in town. Yeah, I probably and-
1: dinged about ten times last <laughs> night. Terry's <laughs> no. like every
0: time you guys. Uh, um, and it's always like more than one at a time. Like, you know, you yeah. guys are always just booking, 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 booking. Um,
1: yeah. I always tell any musician that, that, uh, ever asked me for advice on, on like wanting to either you want to make it in music or you want to work in music. I always say, if you ever want to work in music, have your wife be your booking agent <laughs> then, then you're, you're going to work. That's right. That's for she, sure. If there's she, an idle moment, it's going to be snatched up it. with a gig. That's it. Right. So <laughs> Yeah, so she she does a great job with that. And I help a little bit with that kind of stuff too. But um, you know, she definitely keeps us busy and keeps us out there and yeah. working. And uh, as long as uh, as long as we love it, we'll we'll keep doing it. And um, you know, doing it like, you know, as far as going and making a record with Elbini, getting it pressed, going out playing shows and selling your own albums, it just it's a, a much better um feeling anyways Mm -hmm. to be in control of your career and your music like i don't have to give 10 bucks to a record label if i sell a vinyl for 20 yeah i get to keep the 20 so yeah i mean i gotta buy all the albums (laughs) but then i get to sell them and keep the money as opposed to like yeah
0: you have the upfront investment but uh yeah um that was probably not the case with Loudmouth when you first signed because that was just not the way they structured those Mm-mm. deals those record companies wanted to make sure they got their money back
1: big time and, yeah you
0: know even um, the best deals they would you know charge you the cost of this and charge you the cost they might give you an upfront fee but you might not you know you wouldn't see that back uh or you know until you paid off that upfront fee, probably.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, our attorney, when we signed our, our record deal, said, uh, "Take this money and put it under a paperweight and keep it there." Mm-hmm. It's like don't yeah. spend any of this because your next check is going to be a long ways away. Yeah. So because you got to go out and you really got to sell to get any money back. But um, it's funny that you, you talk about that too because um, back in the day, in a lab we sold over five hundred thousand records.
0: Wow. And that's uh, a gold record, right? It's
1: a gold record. I got two gold albums. One was for the varsity blues soundtrack oh, man. And, and for the loudmouth record. And um that's still back then, like they wanted like triple platinum. Uh-huh. Five hundred thousand was nothing yeah. to a label back in the nineties. They're brick and mortar record stores, you know, mean, yeah. people like physically went out and bought a CD for like, you know, fifteen to seventeen bucks. Right. And the labels made a ton of money, but it's still wasn't that significant to sell that many albums. Yeah. I mean, you know, like now, you know, I press, you know, a thousand records and a thousand CDs and when once I sell those I make another one. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But like to have those kind of numbers and to have have it not make a huge impact on like the music business is unbelievable. Well there
0: were so many hands in the pot, you know? Yeah. You, you had yeah. so many people getting a share of this and a share of that. Yeah. Um
1: a lot of sharing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and and now it's, you know, uh, fortunately when you sell a vinyl album that uh, all the revenue goes to you, although you have costs because you had to um, press the album and record yeah. the album and stuff like that. But but then you have, you know, these uh, streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music and, you know, getting like, what, 0.003 cents per play or something like that. I it's mean,
1: gotten a little better, but yeah, it's... Um, you know, it's like it was, say, in the early 60s for Motown artists. Like uh, Motown right. artists would get three cents a record. Oh, so man. now you get, like, three cents a play. Uh-huh. So, I mean, like, Aretha Franklin goes out and sells, like, you know, two million albums, she gets three cents an album.
0: Like, okay. they just
1: ripped artists off so bad Yeah, back in the day. Now, at least, it's above board, whereas if anyone plays a song on Spotify of mine, it's watermarked.
0: Oh, so you
1: get uh-huh. a royalty for it. And I think... Pandora does like 17 cents a song. They they're the best one. Oh. I think Spotify's up to about like I don't know, maybe like 7 to 10 cents or something. But it, it's a little more than, yeah, yeah. than it used to be. I mean, I get like 42 bucks <laughs> like every couple of weeks or something, <laughs> you know? I'm Like, yeah, that's great. Here's gas money. <laughs>
0: but and it doesn't quite sound the same as vinyl anyway and uh, you know, no. it, it has a it has a little, you know, it's not as, it's not as full sounding and it's certainly not like going to a show. And that's, I yeah. think that's where, the, how, that's how it's evolved. You know, I mean, um, it's all about live entertainment now Definitely, and, and it's nice to have, uh, your music on Spotify to let people know like what it's going to sound like when they see you in person, but it's the in-person presentation that makes all the difference these days.
1: Absolutely, that's what's got to sell it. Um, yeah. You know, live shows is what sells it. It's what sells, you know, your next performance, your next booking, it's what sells your next t-shirt, album, CD, sticker, whatever you're selling. But a good live performance always uh, parlays into another live performance. So it's yeah. uh, definitely a game of, uh, you know, keep bringing it, and uh, as long as you can keep bringing it, right? you know, you, you can continue to work. So, and
0: I, I do notice yeah. that you Play at a lot of uh, the same places over and over. I mean, you must have great relationships with all these breweries and wineries, and um, you know. And I, I, knowing from seeing you entertain, that uh, you you really bring it each time. You know, you uh, you create like a whole buzz around the room, and people are there. They're sipping their drinks. They're talking to their their whoever's with them. And they're like kind of in their shell. And you bring everybody out. You you make eye contact with everybody. You know, you're talking to everybody. And you got a Sox fan over here. you got a Cubs fan <laughs> over there. I mean, well, it's, it's like it, you create this really fun atmosphere. And your music is so fun, too. And I, it's just, uh, you know, you change the whole tone of an afternoon uh, when with one of your performances. Uh, it's I, a pleasure.
1: I, I appreciate <laughs> that. I really do. I appreciate that. And a lot of that, to me, comes down to, uh, somebody who owns a business trusted me to come into their business and uh, and entertain. So yeah. if you're going to trust me to come in and entertain, I'm not going to phone it in. I'm going to be there live, and I'm going to be engaged and ready to go. And and also, I'm grateful to get it. There, there's a million people that could get booked. And also, there's a million cover artists that they could book. And and I don't right. poo-poo what anyone ever does. If you're a cover artist, great. I'm not against it. I'm not saying anything against anything. All I'm saying is if somebody's gonna say, "Hey, Robert, I'm gonna pay you to come in and play at my venue uh, and and you know you can play your own music. Well, okay, well, well, hot dog, yeah. Let, let's get it on and let's let's do this and let's have some fun because I would love to do this again. So it's a lot of trust that someone puts in you. I think um wh- I've been around a lot of artists and a lot of bands and and I think when a venue says we're gonna give you space and time to do what you're gonna do. That's a it's a responsibility to to bring it. Yeah. And um, you know, that's just something that's been innate in me since I was young and uh and perform. I'm just always excited to perform and I'm always kinda of blown away, <laughs> like, you want us to play? Really? All right, <laughs> all, let's go, let's do it, let's have some fun. So yeah. yeah. And there's just a lot of great people in the craft beer industry and uh, the wineries and distilleries. It's a lot of really nice people that want something a little different, that don't always want to have someone come and sing know, right. Beatles songs and, and Zeppelin and Stone Temple Pilots or whatever, they want something a little different, which is really uh, a cool thing. So.
0: And it's a, probably a little bit of a gamble for them. You know, if they have someone coming in there and, and playing uh, uh, covers, then, you know, people are, they like to sing along. They know the songs and all that. But, yeah, uh, you know, you play all original music and... Uh, mostly I would say, yeah. I, I don't know yeah. if I've heard too many. 99.9. Uh, Nine. Yeah. yeah we do. You know, Stop you tracking my heart around. That's our, that's stuff, our cover. <laughs> yeah. You do something here and there, but, um, I think people really appreciate that you've written all these songs and there's, you know, they're, they're so, uh, engaging too. Uh, and half of them are about Terry Ann. it seems, but <laughs> there's
1: a lot. Yeah. She's inspired a lot of songs. That's for sure. No doubt about it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What
0: kidding. is your, uh, songwriting, uh, uh, you know, how how do you get all these songs put together? I mean, over a hundred songs, or maybe even more, because it sounds like you have a hundred recorded songs, and then there's for each ten uh, songs on an album, there's ten that you've decided not to put on the album. So, uh, you know, how, what what inspires you? How do, Where do they come from?
1: You know, honestly, I think it's, for me, a lot of it's a bolt of lightning experience. I never spend too much time writing a song. And, and when I do write a song, I finish it. Yeah. Like right then and there. And I wow. don't edit and I don't go back.
0: Uh-huh. So
1: if I get inspired... Uh, like, I went to the city, uh, Cairo, Illinois. It's
0: uh, Sure, Cairo, s- Illinois. Yeah. Way, way down there. It's like the Southernmost
1: tip. town in, yeah. in Illinois, right at, like, the confluence of the Ohio and the Mississippi River there. And yeah. uh, it was a boom town at one time. And now it's an abandoned town, just about. Right, right. And it's too expensive to tear down the buildings. So all these wow. buildings are up there. And it's, like, post-apocalyptic. It's, like, really weird. Wow. So I, I went down there, and I was just inspired by that and i wrote the song K-Row, and i put it on the get a rope album like you know like right when i went down there uh-huh. I, I went back to our little place that we were staying in alto pass and i wrote the song and like then that was it so it's kind of um again bolt of lightning experience for me like i'm yeah. feeling something right now i have to get this off of my chest and out onto paper and guitar and then i can be a person again Cause I can't be a right. person when I'm in that, that mode. It's yeah. Like, ah, just, hang yeah. on, leave me alone, move. leave me alone. Right. Exactly. I gotta write this down. I gotta get this down. So, um,
0: so you when know. you're writing, when you get a song down, uh, are you, you're not just writing the lyrics. I mean, you, you gotta write down the lyrics, but are you also writing down the melody that you've come up with to support those lyrics? Yeah, I'm
1: doing it all pretty much at the same time uh-huh. because I, I like to sing and play at the same time. So if I, um. Early on when I was writing songs, I'd write lyrics down and then I couldn't connect the lyrics to the rhythm of the guitar. So I, I like to kind of incorporate all that together. So if I'm writing a song, there's always a guitar in my hands yeah. if I'm writing. So I want to make sure that I can sing it and play it right. at the same time because uh, that's not always easy if you write things disconnected like that.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you have a guitar in your lap right now. Uh, any okay. Anything you want to play?
1: Um yeah uh so i'm working on my 10th album it's almost finished and uh i wrote um the the title of the album is called the distance and i feel after 10 solo records it's been some distance (laughs) i hope i can go more distance you know but uh for right now um i just kind of feel like uh it's been um it's been a long time playing music and i'm grateful for it uh and i'm also grateful for um the fact that i've uh you know, somebody with me that like pushes it as well, because mm-hmm. I could easily be doing something else and not creating music. But, um, you know, to uh, to make the decision, OK, this is what I'm doing. This is it. This yeah. is my living. This is how I'm going to make my living. And that's it. Um, I've had to make that decision twice. So huh. um so I feel like the second time I made that decision, I've gone quite a bit of distance now. And it's nice to look back and say, OK, look, at this. I got a catalog of, of music and I'm still Uh, Grateful to be recording and putting uh, new stuff out. So so it's called The Distance. Awesome. All
0: right. I'm going to turn off my mic.
1: The wind was cold and blowing as the snow began to fall. And it was not worth knowing what was coming for us all. So I dreamt to California while sleeping in my bed. We were dreaming, we were leaving, sorry, we were leaving Minnesota with visions of palm trees in my head. Can you go the distance? Will you travel
3: far? Let go of the resistance and grab your guitar Nothing's
1: gonna stop you except yourself Can you go the distance? Hey, you might as well Well, something's never happened Unless you see things through and the audience ain't clapping. If they can't hear you, best you pack up that guitar and drive right out of town. And look up to the stars, they will guide you now. Can you go
3: the distance? Will you travel far
1: Let go of the resistance
2: and
3: grab
1: your guitar Cause nothing's gonna stop you except yourself Can you go the distance? Hey, you might as well Can you go the distance? Hey, you might as well Can you go the distance? Hey, you might
3: well.
0: awesome yeah that's great thanks <laughs> yeah. this I tripped say, up that first verse but that's oh all right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this uh this room you know it just I, I think it uh not, it like it has a little bit of an echo that's probably an a, issue for some people but I kind of like that you know it makes everything sound like you know it's just big broader room than it is. Yeah, it gives us some ambiance. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. But that that was really awesome. Thank you. appreciate uh, that. Thank you. So uh, you know I know you've done some side projects in addition to you know doing the solo work with Terry Ann. Yeah. And uh, the beer hippies comes to mind, Adam. With Adam was a big part of beer hippies. With
1: ABC? Yeah. Adam B. Conley, <laughs> no doubt about it. Yep. <laughs>
0: Any, any um, Beer Hippie uh, stuff on the horizon? That, that would be fun.
1: I'm hoping. Uh, you know, I think uh, COVID kind of decimated a yeah, lot it of sure things, did, yeah. You know, and uh, – And the
0: Murries are getting pretty busy, you know. They They're they in the brewery. And, with, the with the
1: restaurant and the brewery, uh, it was hard for uh, us to schedule anything with Blake and then yeah. – because uh, he's running bare bones and, uh, you know, Steve is like, you know, full throttle at uh, Burnham as well. So, yeah. um, you know, I like to think as beer hippies as a band that can never break up because That's there's, right. it's just, there's no you know, drama. There's no like, you know, like, like talking to, oh man, you know, this guy did this, <laughs> or this guy did that. There's none of that. And no. it's just the greatest bunch of guys. Uh, and, and I'm hoping that when things kind of, uh, you know, come into a groove for Steve and Blake, that uh, all of us can get back together yeah. and uh, play some music. We got a, a 45 that we put out. We went to That's right. Electrical Audio, and uh, Albini's protege, John Sampaolo, uh recorded uh 45 that we did. I and, know, uh, I, I have
0: one. Man, it was
1: just, <laughs> it was the coolest thing. We went, it
0: was. It was great. I had to get the little disc just to get it to play. Right. Yeah, you got to get the
1: little uh, spider thing to, to put in there cuz we put out the 45. So, yeah. but uh Adam, I mean, was unbelievable. I mean, he Adam, you are a great guitar player and uh, True, Adam. So well, those a lot of fun. It, yeah. No <laughs> doubt about it. So, we've had some fun and you know, I mean, who knows what the future brings. Hopefully, we can uh we can do something again. Yeah. It'd yeah. be great. Totally. So,
0: And in the meantime, you have been keeping yourself very busy. So while, you know, people have done all kinds of different things in COVID, it seems to me that you kind of kept doing the same thing. You guys just found places to play and and got out and kept safe and you know, kept your masks on and stuff and
1: we did, yeah. We got triple vaxxed and all that. And uh anywhere we played, you know, we masked up. We called it mask up and rock on. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> um, you know, that's just what we did. I mean, we didn't want to host any uh, you know, giant parties that were gonna be COVID spreaders, you right. know. Um yeah. but uh places that we played, um, you know, were definitely distancing tables and distancing people and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I just think that um you know people want to be entertained and want to go out and do things. And I think that during a lot of COVID we stayed in for like a year and we did Facebook shows and we just did stuff, you know, online. And, uh, uh, once we kind of got a go ahead again to play shows, then of course we started playing shows and we did mask up and we were safe with all that kind of stuff. But now that it seems to be dissipating, um, you know,
0: hopefully, or people just sort of getting used to it. I think is uh, yeah. I think it's a new normal. Know, I think yeah. that
1: you know, there's there's a million ways to talk about it, but I think that um, you know, basically, it's going to just be another part of life, like a flu type of symptom. Yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully, right. Yeah, at
0: this with this Omicron, I think you're right that uh, you know, you catch a little Omicron, and uh, I don't know. You know, my yeah, sister's I mean, a doctor, and she'd probably get really mad at me, even like talking sure, right? about this, but. Uh, and I'm in a bubble, so, you know, I'm, I'm not too worried about myself, but there's a lot of people out there that, uh, especially, you know, the first responders and the hospital, yeah. people working in hospitals, I mean, they are, they are put in danger every day. Every day. They're yeah.
1: frontline workers. I mean, like, that's it. You know, they've yeah. done so much to help keep people safe and put their lives in danger to keep people safe. And, and they're um, just worn out. They have to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, my my sister's a nurse, and and I know they're worn out because I have have two other friends that are nurses. And uh, it's just something that uh, they got to get up and hit hard every day. Right. And get through it. And it's emotionally exhausting. It's physically exhausting. It's never a good thing to see people hurting. And it's also frustrating to know that there's, you know, like kind of a solution out there. And then just some folks don't want to hear it. Right. At all. So um, it's been frustrating for a lot of people, but uh, as far as uh, music goes and entertainment goes, I, I'm really glad to see some good things on the horizon. You know, I mean, yeah. Adam, you just played a show at the livery. Well, that you was did. fun. Yeah. That so, was a great one. So, I mean, you're yeah.
0: with good Modern bad. Vultures, Adam's band, Modern Vultures, right? with Blake Vissing. Blake Vissing, and, yeah. Uh, Matt Sipion and uh, Dustin Lau. Dustin, you know outstanding yeah. they, it, seemed uh, impossible it was ago. a great great show yeah. I'd have been there I oh, of course man. had a gig yeah. so I, yeah, of course I was had a gig. looking at that and I'm like oh man I hope yeah. I could
1: sing a song and I'm like ah oh, I'm playing yeah.
0: <laughs> it was a beautiful night it was so much fun and uh, you know it was just a big reunion too everyone was there and it was uh, and, and you guys sounded great and then it was literally a, a, a musical reunion too because you had you know, Marcus Safer from Steel on the Farm mm. playing with you guys. And you had Andrew Fisher and um, Leslie Sipion. Uh, Leslie Sipion and Nate Sipion and, and Glenn. And, and Glenn from yeah. Andrew Fisher yeah. Quartet as well. Uh, yeah, and it was just just beautiful. Beautiful night. Yeah, it was a um, lot of fun. Yeah. It's great to see that <laughs> like something no. like
1: that can happen. Yeah, you know? I mean like you can yeah. plan something like that and actually execute the plan and do it. Because yeah. um, you know, for a long time there it seemed like man, ain't nothing getting together, ain't nothing happening, you know, so... um, Everybody
3: was on board, and, you know, we didn't have to, like, drag anybody along or anything. Everybody was helping plan it and calling people and coordinating and learning stuff.
0: Yeah, right. Um, I think Leslie played one of uh, Blake's songs, and Andrew Fisher, I think, played one of Blake's songs. So these aren't songs that... You weren't weren't playing their songs, they were coming out and playing your songs, which... uh, all original music, so right? yeah. you know well, we had to learn that stuff. We did it both yeah. ways.
3: They all. Sang That's right. One they... of our songs, and then we learned a song from each of their bands too. Yeah, so there was a little. There, there was a big. You know with everybody up there at the end right so, right a couple covers there at the end
1: that's such a generous thing to do too yeah and, i mean you know,
3: i know blake was jazzed because he's like oh it's so cool to hear somebody else sing my songs
0: and i was like yeah yeah that's an awesome job so for sure yeah. it was uh awesome evening yeah, yeah. uh so uh, what do you have coming up this weekend? Well, I know you, on uh, on um, Valentine's Day, you're playing at the False Front in New Buffalo. Yeah. So yeah, that is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, still ha- I haven't been over there, but I think I am going to try to make it over there on Monday.
2: I
1: haven't either. I mean, I know David's Deli.
0: Yeah. But then at right. night,
1: they turn it into the False Front uh, cocktail bar. That's Yeah. And it just seems like such a cool place. I follow them on Instagram and Facebook, and it just is such a cool idea and last uh valentine's they did a cocktail uh like themed cocktails uh-huh. one of it was love is forever which is a song one of your songs on, on my album yeah. So they asked if uh if they if you know they asked for permission i'm like <laughs> yeah are you kidding me of course yeah make a cocktail with uh, one of my song names on it sure so um this valentine's i just thought you know what Why don't we uh, just do, like, a a show? I mean, you know, Terrian and I, uh, you know, we got all all kinds of mushy love songs and all that stuff. So, you know, uh, we can uh, make people throw up on Valentine's. (laughs) (laughs) Valentine's. Here's another love song. (laughs) Oh, and here's another one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, your your schedule has always, I mean, you you play – what each night of the weekend and then maybe a couple nights during the week too yeah usually uh, <laughs> we
1: try to do like three or four you know uh, wow. a week so this this week we got four at Bear hands uh brewing company in cranger uh indiana on, on friday uh february uh 11th uh-huh. and then the 12th we're in east chicago at big frank sausage it's a polish restaurant
0: oh yeah big frank sausage amazing do, I, I thought, do they have a, a restaurant up in glenview too or is that a different place
1: it, it's probably a different place in okay, glenview okay. but but he's a big draw at pierogi fest. Ah, uh, b- good one. big frank sausage. So he he's got a great little restaurant and uh we're we're playing there on Saturday February 12th and Sunday Super Bowl Sunday the 13th we're playing at Off Square from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. before the big game. Oh, so yeah. uh-huh. we're just going to play some tunes and people could stock up on oh, beers great. and then head back home and then Valentines we're going to go hit uh, the false front and uh mushy love songs. So, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Cocktails. <laughs> Right? Putting some they
3: miles
0: on his- the car. <laughs> I love you.
2: I love you so much.
0: <laughs>
1: It'll be a little more exciting than that.
2: <laughs> no, no.
0: That's, that's what people want to hear on Valentine's Day. That'll be perfect. That sounds good.
1: Yeah, we're going to have some fun. So
0: so uh, I, I have one more question about Loudmouth. Yeah. What happened?
1: You know, uh, basically what happened with the band is uh, we got off the road. We'd been together for, for 10 years. Yeah. And uh, we had sold, you know, like I said, you know, five hundred thousand records, and the label was going to drop us. Oh. They wanted more Jeez. album sales. So we thought like, well, you know I mean, we could uh get off the label and uh, try and get another record deal with someone else. Uh, But after 10 years of being in the band, everybody wanted to do different things. Uh So it wasn't um, it's never been about money or fame or anything like that. You know, I mean, it was it was nice to, like, you know, go out and play the clubs and try and get signed. And we did, you know, and and, and it was good. But um, it's never been about being like a, a rock star, you know, for me. I've always wanted to make a living at music. Yeah. So um, I.
0: Were you guys, were you supporting yourselves uh, with Loudmouth? We were. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. we were.
1: We, we did we did pretty good. Um, you know, the merchandise is where you make a lot of your money. Like uh, T-shirts like and yeah. all that kind of isn't stuff that, too. Isn't that so, kind of crazy? Yeah. So, I mean, like we did, we did well with all that stuff. But um, after 10 years and after uh, looking at switching labels, um, we just said, they signed us for two albums firm. Uh-huh. So either way, we got paid. Yeah. So we just said, you know what? Let's just, uh, you know, get paid for the second record that we don't have to make. And everyone, you know, just do whatever they want. And if we get together, we get together. And we just never got back together. Yeah. So uh, 20 years later, we did. We did a 20-year reunion.
0: Oh, that must have uh, been fun. It, w- it was
1: a lot of fun. Um, it was uh, kind of bittersweet. Uh, a childhood friend and my bass player from Lama, uh, Mike Flaherty, uh, passed away. Oh. And uh, we um, grew up with all the Disturbed guys, so uh, <laughs> we, we grabbed uh, Fuzz from Disturbed, who was like one of my best friends like since I was a kid as well. So I asked Fuzz if he would come and fill in uh, for Mike which was uh was great he's he's a great bass player he's a great guy he grew up in oak lawn with me too and we like kindergarten through high school with fuzz as well so um so it was fun to play the, the
0: songs and
1: uh, pack the place and get out and just freaking rock like, yeah ah, you know it was really a good time
0: so you had all these fans that loved you guys back in the 90s and and they found you and and Came back for this big reunion. Party? It was crazy. That's Yeah, great. It sold over a thousand tickets. Wow! Like,
1: like just like unbelievable. What venue so,
0: did you guys play in?
1: A place called Cheers in Midlothian. Oh, okay. So they had um, they had a big outdoor thing and uh, an indoor thing, and they had like a, a number of bands play like all day, and it was a big benefit for. Uh-huh. Our bass player's family, so
0: oh wow, uh, so what, what a great idea that was! Pretty good money yeah. for
1: him, so to help him out. So
0: it Very was, nice. it was a lot of fun. So was, at that point, 2000, is that when you and Terry Terrianne went on your own and just started playing, or did you do other stuff? Did you, you know?
1: Uh, yeah, I uh, I actually got my CDL and oh. uh, started driving because right. um, I I am a workaholic. I have to be moving. I have to yeah. be busy. I like to be out doing stuff so um that's when when you asked me to come in for the show or phone it in i'm like i'm driving in yeah so um terry and i sat and thought like you know what what should we do and i'm like well so i could get my cdl and drive a truck and she goes not over the road you're not going over the road so i got a class b and uh i delivered milk for a while and uh that was a a a nice job union job good you know benefits and all that and uh I got held up in uh in Gary, oh man, and then I quit I'm like, I'm back to music, <laughs> yeah We're back to music that's that. it so um <laughs> so yeah, so I got back into playing music full time and uh just figured if um if I work hard and I put out records and i I you know uh just try and put on good live shows that I'll be able to get work, so you know i it's it's work, and I' love the work, so you know that's where I'm at so uh any any bonus that comes along i mean you know it it's great i get a couple uh tv shows or uh, a couple of songs in like some films and, and things like that you know like once in a while uh-huh. so that that's a nice little bonus but uh it's nice to put on your facebook hey you got a song in a new disney cartoon or whatever that's fun but, well, um, has
0: that happened before what uh I've got
1: a couple different things yeah. so um yeah there was uh oh, what was the show cars 2
0: Oh, Cars yeah. too, I
1: got uh, the movie trailer music. I had a song called Blue Skies. Cool. And that uh, was the movie trailer music for that, which was kind of neat. So, um,
0: How fun would that be if someone you know, sees you uh, who, who probably regularly follows you and goes to see you at breweries and stuff – and they take their kid to see cars too, and they're like, whoa, <laughs> there's You know, I mean, it's,
1: it's pretty funny when that kind of works out when people uh, do that, you know. So, um, it, it, uh, it, it doesn't make the impact that you think it might would. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm always freaked out about it, you know, to get any kind of work like that, but um, I just think, uh, you know, any kind of bonus like that is always a a great thing. You know, anytime someone wants to use my music for anything, Travers Pie Company, <laughs> Travers City used Fun. my song. Uh, for a commercial, uh, my song, The Third Coast. So we played up at ah, Right Brain, yeah. and they have a beer with uh, Travers Pie Company, and the people were there, and like, could we use that song for a commercial? And That's I'm That's like, so cool. Yeah, you can. <laughs> How much? $300. Uh, How much you got? Did <laughs> <laughs> they pay you in pie? Yeah, right? That'd, that'd be even better. <laughs> <laughs> but like that, I should have asked that, Adam. Man. $300
0: so, let me close it out and uh and then I'll would you finish up with a song? So, let me sure. you know. So, you're listening to Johnny Secret Stash and I'm John Goldman. I've got my co-host Adam Conley here tonight and we've had the pleasure of talking with Robert Rolf Federson. Um you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan which is where we are today in this beautiful new studio beautiful (laughs) and i love so much and uh bob please close us out with a song of your choice
1: all right this song is called i like that rock and roll and uh this was written during covid while i was locked up listening to my records so uh this is i like that rock and roll
3: record player It plays my favorite songs
2: I like them Beatles and um, I like them Rolling Stones I like their
3: rock and roll yeah I like their rock and roll I like their rock and roll yeah I like their rock and roll I like the more guitars, I like to play them loud. I like the Jimi Hendrix. He puts me on a cloud. I like their rock and roll, yeah. I like their rock and roll. I like their rock and roll, yeah. I like their rock and roll. Player. He plays my favorite songs I like them Beatles in them I like them Rolling Stones I love them old guitars I like to play them loud I like the Jimi Hendrix He puts me on a cloud I like their rock and roll, yeah. I like their rock and roll. I like their rock and roll, yeah. I like their rock and roll.
0: All right, that was awesome. Uh, thanks. All so right, guys. once again, Robert ralph fetterson thanks so much. So glad we made this happen. Thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. A, a quick runoff on what you have coming up this weekend. I know False Front on Monday, the 14th of February.
1: Barehands Brewing Granger on Friday, the 11th of February, and the 12th of February. Uh, Big Frank Sausage in East Chicago, and then the 13th Super Bowl Sunday, Off Square Brewing Company. And then False Front
0: and New
2: Buffalo right down the road.
0: Yep. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, man. Talk to you later.
2: Thank you.